Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. I continue in our prayer series this morning. We're in part five of a six-part series on prayer. It's a, a, a series that we've titled A Lifestyle of Prayer. And how many of you believe that prayer ought to be more than a random occurrence in our life? It actually should be something we do all the time, right? It should be a lifestyle. So we're in week five of a six-week series called Lifestyle of Prayer. And I want to pull up for you our main text that we've been using. It's James chapter 5, verse 16, comes from the New Living Translation. Amen. And while you're turning there, let me just take a moment of prayer briefly. Father, we thank you today that the Bible says the entrance of your word brings light. We thank you that it brings clarity into confusion, that it causes us to see reality. We thank you that your word causes us to walk in the things that you have prepared for us to walk in. Lord, that your word is an essential part of what we need in our everyday lives. And so today we come to the table, as it were, hungry and ready to receive. We pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that we would know the things you want us to know and grow in the ways you want us to grow this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, and let everybody say amen and amen. You can, um, before we go to the scripture, actually, I almost forgot to make our little confession of faith that, we, faith that we like to make back there, gentlemen. Here we go. You'll see it up on the screen. You can declare this out loud together. We love to say this at our church. Let's read it out loud together. Thank you, Father, that today... The eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. You say, why do you say that? Because we believe it. Because we believe that that's actually what's happening, that when we hear the word, our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears perk up and we start to learn and receive things that cause us to grow from the inside out. Amen? All right. Well, let's go to, again to James chapter 5, verse 16. We're reading this out of the New Living Translation. And this has been our title verse, our main verse that we've used for this series. It says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, and produces wonderful results. I've asked you this question for five weeks in a row now. How many of you are interested in having your prayers produce wonderful results in your life? I don't want my prayers to fall flat, do you? Well, the good news is that the Bible says they don't have to. That if we yield our, ourselves to God and we'll press into what he has for our life, that we'll actually get our prayers answered. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Now, I've said this, and I'll continue to repeat it each week. I believe with all my heart that the most important spiritual discipline in the life of a Christian is consistent, heartfelt, faith-filled prayer. Consistent, heartfelt, faith-filled prayer. It's one of the most important things that you and I can do on a daily basis is talk to our Father. Amen? 
Now, for the sake of time and because of all that I need to cover today, I've got more notes than usual. Don't get afraid. Don't get scared. You'll still get out of here right on time. But I'm not going to do review. Normally, I review kind of the things we've been talking about. But uh, for today, I'm going to jump straight into what we have to say, okay? Uh, If you missed any of the previous weeks, you can find them on our podcast at highcountrychristian.com and get caught up, okay? We've been talking about what we've called prayer essentials. We said that there are six of them. Connection, number one. Number two, conversation. Number three, confidence. Number four, consistency. Number five, charismatic. And number six, compassionate. Those are six essential elements to our prayer life. And today is week number five, charismatic. And I've been waiting five weeks to preach this message. If you know me at all, you know I was raised as a charismatic. That means I come from church where they run around and do cartwheels and have loud praise and worship and clap and dance and sing and have a blast. Because I believe church ought to be fun, amen? You don't have to come here and look like you've been soaking in pickle juice all week. You can actually have a nice time in the presence of the Lord, when we, were, when we were kids, my dad would stand up, my dad's a pastor, you know, and he would, he would stand up and he would say, is everybody happy in the room? And people would be like, yeah, amen. And he'd say, okay, notify your face. Tell your face that you're happy. Amen. Praise God. No, it's good to, it's good to have a good time in church. But I was raised as a charismatic. Now, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at what that means, and we're going to look at how, what the, what the Bible calls charisma how that influences our prayer life. Go to Acts chapter 2. Some of you would be familiar with this passage. Others maybe not, but it's okay. We're all going to go there together. Acts chapter 2, we're going to read from verses 1 down through verse 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I felt like that was happening at my house last night. I don't know if it was windy at your house with all the rain, but dear God, I thought my house was going to fall over last night. But I can imagine it. It was, you know, I was sitting on my couch, and I thought, God, this must be what the day of Pentecost must have been like, that they came a sound from heaven that interrupted everything they were doing. It was more than what they could have imagined, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3, watch what happened. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This verse, this series of verses, describes the events that surrounded the birth of the church. Do you realize this is the very first thing that happened in the church? Jesus, let me give you a little historical context here. Jesus has risen from the dead, okay, on Easter. You all know about Easter. He rose from the dead, and then the Bible says that he was with his disciples for 40 days. At the end of 40 days, he ascended into heaven. You can go read about it at the beginning of the book of Acts and at the end of the book of Luke. He ascends into heaven. He tells the disciples right before he leaves, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick and do all this amazing stuff. And then he says, I'm out of here. And he ascends into heaven. 
Before he goes into heaven, he says, here's something that's going to happen, guys. Wait in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit is going to come, and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit when he comes. And once the Holy Spirit comes, now you can go out and do ministry. Now you can go out and change the world. And so what did they do? They waited. They waited 10 days from the day that Jesus left to the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is uh, the, the title, uh, the name of a Hebrew festival, of a, a Hebrew holiday. And so the day of Pentecost has fully come, and here they are all together in a prayer meeting, and the first thing that happens in the church, before this moment, the church doesn't exist. It was just Jesus and his ministry and his 12 disciples. From this moment on, the church exists. Are you following me? The very first action that took place in the history of the church is the arrival of the Holy Spirit upon people. I want you to grasp how significant this is. The result of the coming of the Holy Spirit is that the people were empowered by the Holy Spirit and they began to speak and pray in a brand new way. And that is that they began to speak in tongues. Now I understand that everybody didn't grow up with this in their, in their church perhaps. So just do me a favor. Just turn to the person that's next to you and just say, relax. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Everybody take a deep breath. We got, we got it out there. We said the word tongues, okay? We said it, all right? All right? <laughs> now, the reason that today's prayer essential word is the word charismatic is because of the Greek word charisma, which is used to describe grace given to the church by the Holy Spirit. Culturally, the word charismatic is used to refer to Christians or groups of Christians who believe in and operate in these kinds of gifts of the Spirit. People who pray in tongues and people who believe in stuff like prophecy and healing. You'll often also hear the word Pentecostal used to describe these same believers. Whichever the term is used, doesn't matter. The gifts of the Holy Spirit have been given to everyone within the church at large as tools to make our lives more effective and to help us preach the good news of Jesus with power and with demonstration. When you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you see Paul, who's uh, you know, new to these Corinthian people, and that's in, Corinthians are people that lived in the city of Corinth in, in, in what is now modern-day Greece, and he visited them, and he says, when I came to you, you can find this in 1 Corinthians 2. We won't go there for the sake of time. But he says, when I came to you, I didn't come with persuasive, clever preaching. I didn't come with persuasive words of men's wisdom, he said. What I did come to you with is demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, I didn't come to you with flashy arguments. I came with somebody else named the Holy Ghost. And when I preached, he backed me up. And that's what happened. You see, the gifts of the Holy Spirit... The charismatic things that God has for us are for our empowerment and so that we'll preach the gospel with effectiveness. Now, since this series is on the subject of prayer, we would be foolish to not talk about one of the most powerful ways of praying outlined in the Bible. Right? Now, I'm going to role play here for just a second. If I were the devil... 
which I am not. Although my children probably think I am sometimes when I don't give them the things they want. Right? Right, Claire? Yeah, no. She, she's, she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't look at me. It's my little sisters. If I were the devil and I knew that there was a way for Christians to pray which kept them connected to God, made their prayer life effective, caused them to be filled up with power and with joy and made them virtually unstoppable, I would try to find a way to discredit that prayer. Again, I'm not the devil, okay? But if I was... I would try to find a way to discredit this idea of praying in tongues because it's so dynamic, because it's so exceptional, and it's so powerful, and it's so available. How many of you know the Holy Spirit's not running out of goodness? He's not running out of power. There's not a shortage of anything in heaven. What do you need more of? Peace? There's a a surplus in heaven. The Holy Ghost has got a surplus of joy. He's got a surplus of peace. He's got a surplus of power. He's got more than enough happiness. He's got more than enough contentment. He's got more than enough of anything and everything you need. And the the reason we don't access it sometimes is because we don't know how to pray. Now, allow me for a moment to speak to the one who may be on the fence who may be a little unsure about what to think. I've observed that on occasion, I've been been a Christian since I was a fetus, okay? I was was born like on the way to church, okay? My my parents are pastors. I've been just, you know, I've I've been grown up in this thing. And here's what I've observed on certain occasions. That there are some who get a little bit scared when it comes to speaking in tongues. And so although the the way that I tend to do things is to push you in the deep end. You know, you need to learn how to swim. I'm going to just push you into the deep end. I don't want to shock and awe anybody this morning. So I'm not going to kick you into the deep end. We're going to take our time with this. But I've observed that sometimes people get a little scared when it comes to speaking in tongues. And I've observed that there are three overall reasons for this. And actually, the first one is more of a pseudo-reason. It's not really a real reason. It's just an excuse that people use. Number one reason that tongues are scary is that people think it's not biblical. Okay? Maybe you grew up that way. Maybe somebody told you that. Maybe you're like me, and you like to have your thinking done for you, so you just asked somebody what they thought. Right? Right? And I mean, a lot of people live there. A lot of people don't do their homework. They just, you know, if, if you don't believe me, just check out the reviews on Amazon, <laughs> right? Is this product nice? Well, this guy thinks so. Okay, I'll buy one. Now, see, sometimes people, you know, just defer to the opinions of their friends or their family members or whatever, and somebody's told somebody told somebody who told you that it wasn't in the Bible, Well, I'm here to tell you that the real reason that tongues is scary for people is not because of a lack of biblical credibility. In fact, tongues happen all over the book of Acts and throughout the history of the church and throughout the New Testament. And there's some really, really awesome instructions given to us in the New Testament on how to make this amazing gift effective in our lives. Do you want to know the real reasons why people get scared of tongues? There's two of them. 
Number one, it's new. And number two, it's different. It's new and it's different. And for, for a lot of us, because it's new and because it's different, we get a little tense about it. Well, they didn't, you know, nobody prayed in tongues at the church I grew up in. I don't know what to think about this. Anybody ever been there? You don't have to raise your hand, but I just, you know, it's rhetorical. If you've been there, I want to tell you that just because it's new and just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad and doesn't mean it's not from God. Amen. Anytime something which is normal to us gets challenged, we get defensive. Right? Think about tongues and and the fact that it might be new for somebody or it might be different for somebody. You know, if you were from the 18th century and you're used to riding a horse and all of a sudden you got zapped forward into 2020 and you saw all these people riding cars, you'd be terrified of it. Why? Because it would be new and it would be different. But to all of us that grew up with cars, it's totally normal. And we go, hey, why, why are you hating on cars, Paul Revere? Right? Why are you hating on cars? They get us where we need to go. I want to encourage you today to step out of what is comfortable for you and step into what is new and what might be a little different, knowing that it's exhilarating. My sister, when we were kids, we grew up in western New York and then in Florida. And, uh, but when we were real little, we were in western New York, and we used to go to this Six Flags theme park. And there was a roller coaster called the Viper. And uh, my sister and I were pretty young, and my dad took us on this roller coaster, And I had already been on it. I thought it was awesome. I was ready to do it again. My sister, who's a couple years younger than me, was not so convinced. And I'll never forget, we were riding to the top. You know how how painfully slow roller coasters are getting you to the top? Just amps up the fear, right? Chick, 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 chick. And then you get to the top and you just freeze for a second and then you take the plunge. Well, the whole way up, my sister's going, oh, Daddy, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Can we get off? Can we get off? Please, can we get off? Please, can we get off? Please, can we get off? He says, baby, you better, you know, bite down on a rag or something. We're, we're t- it's, it's too late at this point. Here we go. And we went over the plunge, and then you go through loop-de-loops and all this kind of corkscrews, and we're flying, and I listen behind me, and my sister is laughing her head off, having a blast. And we got to the end, back to the little house where you get in the, in the thing, and she, you know, it comes to a stop, and the bar comes up, and she looks at my dad and goes, Daddy, let's do that again. Let's do that again. You see, she had to overcome her fear of what was different and what was new to discover that, in fact, it was awesome. It was more exhilarating than she even recognized. And I'm here to tell you, this is more than a roller coaster, friends. This is more than a roller coaster. This is a way for you to connect to God and stay connected to God and get your prayers answered and get your kids healed when they get sick and get your relatives saved and figure out problems at work and fix your marriage and fix all the kind of things in your life if you'll learn how to pray. Amen. So, a couple of questions I'm going to throw out there and then move past quickly, and and here's the deal. If you have questions about anything that I say today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, and I'm not trying to skirt the issue, if you have any questions about anything I have to say today, please email me at pastor at highcountrychristian.com, and I will spend time with you, and we will get to the bottom of it, okay? Now, there are some questions that people have. Uh, like this. Don't I already have the Holy Ghost when I get saved? 
Anybody ever ask that question? Of course you do. When we're talking about praying in tongues, we're not talking about the Holy Spirit coming into you. We're talking about the Holy Spirit getting on you. Right? Second question. Aren't there warnings about speaking in tongues in 1 Corinthians? Yeah, there absolutely are. Totally. There's also warnings on the food that you eat. There's also warnings on all kinds of heavy machinery that you operate. Doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. It's that the Bible's teaching us how to do it effectively. Okay? Isn't it only for some people and not for others? No. It's not for some people and not for others. Peter stands up later on in the book of Acts chapter 2 and said this gift is available and is available to any that the Lord would call, which is everybody. Now, why is praying in tongues such a powerful way to pray? Are you all still with me? Are you on the edge of your seat? I hope that I've reeled you in. Why is praying in tongues such a powerful way to pray? I'm going to give you four answers. Are you ready? Number one, because it's effective and fulfilling. It's effective and fulfilling. Number two, because it's practical and it's spiritual. Number three, because it's personal and it's corporate. And number four, because it's perfect. Amen. Repeat those to you real quick, and then we'll go down through them. Because it's effective and fulfilling, number one. Number two, because it's practical and spiritual. Number three, because it's personal and corporate. And number four, because it's perfect. Let's talk about why praying in other tongues is effective and fulfilling. Praying in other tongues is effective because it brings the power of heaven God's very power right into your situation. Let me say that again for emphasis. Praying in other tongues is effective because it literally brings the power of God into your situation. You can flip back, if you're still in the book of Acts, you can flip back one page to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Look at what it says. Jesus is the one talking here. And he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Wow. See, we're talking about praying in tongues. We're talking about when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And Jesus says that when that happens, we receive power. Do you know what the word power there is in the Greek? Some of you Bible nerds will know the answer to this. It's the word dunamis in the Greek. And we get our word dynamite from it. What Jesus is telling to the disciples, he says, you know what, fellas? Hang out here in Jerusalem for the next 10 days, and then the Holy Spirit's going to descend upon you, and when he does, you're going to get dynamite power from God. Wow. What if you, that's right, yeah, baby. What if you could pray with explosive power? What if you hit the wall in life and things got super difficult and you didn't know how to get out of the situation you were in and instead of freaking out and falling to pieces, you had a way of praying in such a manner that it attracted the power of God into your situation? Whoa. Sound appealing yet? Just checking. 
It's effective because it brings God's power directly into our situation. It's one of the most valuable weapons that we have in exercising our triumph over the devil. And it makes you effective in preaching the gospel. Think about that. If you really want to preach the gospel with effectiveness, with efficacy, you got to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. This is what we refer to as what? The Great Commission. Well, two of you went to church as a child. Uh, it's the Great Commission, right? Jesus says in verse 15, he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Watch verse 17. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. You see in these verses divine protection. You see in these verses the empowerment of God to live the life he's called us to live. Amen? I'm here to tell you, your, your life will be more effective in the kingdom of God if you yield your heart and learn how to pray in tongues. Now, we said that it's effective and it's, it's, effective and it's fulfilling. Praying in, in other tongues, praying in the Holy Spirit strengthens you from the inside out. Go with me to Jude, verse 20. There's only one chapter in the book of Jude. Jude, verse 20. Check this out. This is amazing. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. How do we build ourselves up? By praying in the Holy Spirit. I can tell you time after time after time in my own personal life, when I was at a low point, when I was having difficulties, when I was having, maybe it was a bad day, maybe somebody said something to me that crushed me and hurt me, maybe, you know, it could have been a thousand different reasons. This has happened so many times in my life where I've been, you know, like, like my dad used to say, in the mully grubs. Anybody ever been in the Molly Grubs? You just wake up on the wrong side of the bed, you know, just God, okay, just hit the reset button on this day, right? You're having a bad day. You're having a terrible time. Life is getting tough. Things aren't working in your marriage. Your kids are kind of freaking out, and things aren't working on the job, and issues are arising, and I, I'm not content. I'm not satisfied. I, I'm, I'm searching. I'm searching for all kinds of answers, and I feel like I'm getting nowhere. I'm pushing a 50-pound boulder uphill, I meant to say 500 pounds, 50 pounds wouldn't, wouldn't be that hard, actually. That would actually be a pretty good workout, actually. But no, I'm pushing this 500-pound rock uphill, and I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I'm not connected. I, I don't have community. I feel very alone. Did you ever catch yourself on one of those days? I can't tell you the number of times I've caught myself in one of those moments and began to pray in other tongues. And do you know that within five minutes, 100% of the time, within five minutes... Everything turns around. Why? Because when you and I pray in other tongues, we're building ourselves up. 
building ourselves up. Amen. The Greek word there for building yourself up is the word which we get edify or an edifice from. You know what an edifice is? Edifice, like the Lincoln Memorial is an edifice. How many of you know that? It would take a lot to knock that thing down because it's been built up meticulously. When you and I pray and we get connected to God in the spirit, we build ourselves up. Now, number two, we said that praying in other tongues is practical and spiritual. Now, we understand, you know, it kind of makes sense why praying in tongues is spiritual because of what we already said about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. But we don't often think about how practical it is when we pray in tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 18, look what Paul says here. I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than all of you. <laughs> I thank God I speak in tongues more than everybody in this whole church is what Paul was saying. I pray in tongues more than the rest of you people combined. Why? Why? Why is that so significant? It's because you see that Paul very practically made a habit of praying in other tongues. What would happen if we applied this kind of prayer to our life consistently? What would happen? What, what if you and I were like Paul and we prayed in tongues all the time? You say, well, they think you were weird. Well, they already think I'm weird, so, you know, I'm not worried about it. That's right. They think all of us were weird. That's fine. I, listen, I, I want to say something because I didn't intend to say this, but it actually works. You know, sometimes we get a little bit nervous about what people are going to think about how we relate to God. We get nervous about, well, I, you know, they're going to know I'm charismatic. They're going to know I speak with other tongues. And you know what? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? They might ridicule. People might ridicule you for speaking in tongues. They might think that's weird. But then, you know what happens? Then when they get cancer, guess who they call? Hey, you, you're connected to God, aren't you? You get your prayers answered. We don't understand what it's all about. We think it's pretty weird, but will you pray for us, please? Right? Right? Amen. You see, praying in, in the Spirit is practical. You know, you can pray in the Spirit about things that your natural mind doesn't know how to pray for. It's one of the reasons that it's so practical is that I can, I can do business in prayer regarding things that my mind doesn't even understand. Have you ever been in a situation where you were praying for something and you just ran out of words? You've prayed everything you know to pray for this situation. I'm telling you, I, I know that it's a fact. That's happened to me so many times. And I'm sure that it's happened to, to many of you. You're praying for your marriage and you're not sure how to proceed. I've prayed every scripture I know to pray over my marriage. I've prayed every scripture I know to pray over my kids. I've prayed everything I know to pray over this family member or this situation or whatever the case may be. And now I'm, I'm at the end of what I know to do. So what do you do? Pray in other tongues. Amen. You pray in other tongues. Now, let's move on to point number three. Are you doing okay so far? Is this helping you? I really want this to help you. Number three, it's personal 
and it's corporate. Tongues was meant to be a blessing to us, both on a personal level and on a corporate level. What do I mean when I say corporate? Like a corporation, like a company? No. Like when we're all together in a big group. So tongues is a personal thing. It's something that I discover in my personal relationship one-on-one with God. And it's something that he gave to us as a body, as a church, as a group. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2 is amazing. Watch what this says. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for nobody understands him. However, in the Spirit, he's speaking mysteries. You see, this was a gift that was meant to be practical for us and very personal for us. When I pray in tongues, my daughter doesn't know what I'm saying. Do you? No, of course not. We drive down the road, and she's riding the back seat, and I'll be praying in tongues. She doesn't know what I'm saying, but that's okay, because I'm not talking to her. Right? I'm talking to God. I'm talking to the Holy Spirit. And my mind doesn't really know what's going on, and that's okay. I'm actually getting a little bit ahead of myself, because the fact that your mind doesn't know what you're saying is a benefit, not a hindrance. Because you can't get in there and mess it up. Right? That's why the last point of this says that praying in tongues is perfect. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. but Tongues are a personal thing and a corporate thing. They're a personal way for us to remain strengthened and filled up on the inside. Like a gas tank that's full. I would love to know how many Christians there are who, if you were to gauge their spiritual gas tank, are driving around on empty, driving around with the dashboard light blinking. You need gas, you need gas, you need gas. Anybody ever been there besides me in your life where you just feel like, man, spiritually, I am just on empty? Praying in tongues is a personal, personal, deeply personal way for you to connect with God so that you stay full all the time. Dr. Carl Peterson conducted a study at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the 90s. And his study was on the relationship between our brains and praying in other tongues. This, I found this to be absolutely fascinating. Are you ready for this? He said, or he found, that as we pray in tongues, as we pray in the Spirit, our brain releases two chemical secretions that are directed into our immune systems giving a 35 to 40% boost to the immune system. Tell me God doesn't know what he's doing. Right? Amazingly, here's the wild part. Amazingly, this secretion is triggered from a part of the brain that has no other apparent activity in humans and is only activated by our spirit-led prayer and worship. That's wild. Another study was conducted among 1,000 pastors in England, and the researchers found that 80%, 80%, that's a lot, of people who practiced praying in tongues had greater emotional stability and less neuroticism. Greater emotional stability? You want to talk about a reason to pray in other tongues? Your brain is busy while you're praying in the Spirit, pumping out enzymes into your immune system to make you less likely to get the flu. Man, if that ain't a reason to pray in tongues, I don't know what is. 
for heaven's sake. I mean, I'd like Brussels sprouts and healthy food, but come on. Maybe we just pray in tongues and eat a cheeseburger and we'll be okay, you know? I don't know. I, I don't need cheeseburgers in my life, praise God. <laughs> no, it's silly, but it's cool. It's cool, man. God designed us in such a way that when we commune with him on a spirit-to-spirit level, our body actually starts to respond in ways that it doesn't respond except when we're with him. Wow. You see, it's very personal. And it's also corporate. It's something that he's given to not just me as an individual, but to the church at large. And there's a bunch of scriptures. You can go write these down and look at them later. We're about to wrap up, so I don't want to take up any more time, but I got so many scriptures we could go to. But you can look at Acts chapter 2, verse 4. That's where we just read from there, and you'll notice that it says that the Holy Spirit fell on all who were there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. See, it's not just for you. It's for everybody. You can look at Acts, we don't have to go, go to these places, but write these down. Acts 4, verse 31 says that when they, were, when they prayed, the place was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 46, Peter, the apostle Peter is in the home of a man named Cornelius, and he lays hands on them, and the Bible says the Spirit of God fell on them all, and they were all filled with the Spirit and spoke with other tongues. And then Acts chapter 19, verse 6, Paul is in Ephesus, and he finds 12 guys who were saved. And he asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you got saved? And they said, we didn't even know there was such a thing as the Holy Spirit. So he laid hands on them, and they all got filled. This is not just for you. It's for everybody. I just like saying everybody. It's for everyone. And it's something that you can do personally. And it's something that with the right guidance from Scripture, we can do all together. Now, finally, in the last five minutes of my time, before my phone starts flashing at me, praying in tongues, it's not just, it's not just exciting and effective. It's not just personal and corporate. It's perfect. Now, I want you to get this. If you don't get anything else that I say today, I want you to get this. The reason that praying in tongues is perfect is because it puts the Holy Spirit in the driver's seat of our prayer life. It puts the Spirit of God in the driver's seat of our prayer life. When you pray in other tongues, you are yielding yourself to God Almighty. You are yielding yourself to the one who created everything that you can see and manages everything you can't see. He's in charge. He's in the driver's seat. I'm saying, Lord, today when I pray, I'm going to pray in other tongues so that you can lead me perfectly. I'm not going to do this prayer thing in my own power and in my own strength. I'm going to rely on somebody who's a whole lot bigger than me to get the job done as I yield and partner with him. I remember, <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing, but I'm going to say it anyway. I remember years ago when Brianna and I first moved back to this area. Well, for her it was moving back. For me it was coming here for the first time. But this is like a decade ago now. I had some friends. I still have some friends. Uh, same people actually. 
I have some friends who, at that time, were into road biking, cycling. And so, you know how it is when you start hanging out with people, you start doing the things they do. I was never a cyclist. Quite frankly, I didn't really want to shave my legs and wear spandex, but that's what you got to do when you're a road bike, a road bike enthusiast. And so I'll never forget, it was when Perry and Joy first got married. I'll get it. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, it was when Perry and Joy first got married. Perry got a bike. And so I was like, well, I got to get a bike too, so I got a bike. And we were riding with our buddy James and a couple other dudes. And, and I'll never forget this, as long as we live, they were like, all right, Josh, we're going to go on an easy ride. I'm like, all right, cool, I can do easy. Awesome. We left from Boone Bike when it used to be where it used to be. And we, <laughs> and we went back around behind Walmart, and we came up and over the, the, uh, the hill here on Fairway Drive by the golf course, and we came around, and we started riding out bamboo towards George Hayes Road. Y'all know where George Hayes is? It's right over here. And, and if, you, if you've ever done this, you turn your bike onto George Hayes, and it looks like as steep as riding up one of these walls. And I'm just like, oh, dear God, what did I get myself into? And I'll never forget this as long as I live. I put my bike all the way down into the easiest granny gear. And I stood up and I started to ride. And I was about halfway up that hill and it started to hit me and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. Here, come here, I need you to demonstrate. Claire's gonna be me, riding in the saddle. And my buddy James, who used to ride for the ASU Cycling B team, came up behind me, and he could see that I was struggling, and he put his hand right on my lower back, and we rode up that hill together. Thank you, darling. I, I thought, I was like, who's touching me? You know, I was like, what's going on? And he, and I felt his hand on my lower back, and in any other situation, that would be totally weird. <laughs> right? Right? But, but for some reason, it was very comforting staring up the steepness of George Hayes. Because you remember, this was the easy ride. This was the one for beginners. And he came behind me, and he put his hand on my back, and all of a sudden, I felt power that wasn't my own moving me uphill. I'm here to tell you. When you yield your heart to God, when you get to the point of saying, you know what, Lord, I don't know how to do this all by myself. I don't know how to pray for everything the way I need to pray for it. The book of Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says that we have an infirmity. We have a problem. And you know what our problem is? We don't know how to pray for everything. How many of you know every detail of everything right now? Of course not. We have limited capacity. We have minds that have borders. But we are connected to the, to the one who is without borders. We're connected to the God who knows no boundary. He created the universe and he's living in us. And all he wants is for us to partner with him so that he can put his hand on our back and push us up the hill that we're on. The Bible says in John chapter 16, verse 13, watch this. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all the truth. For he won't speak on his own authority. Whatever the things he speaks, he will tell, or excuse me, whatever the things he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. I'm here to tell you that when you're up against a wall, 
when you're going uphill and you can't make it, and you're in a situation where you feel like I am totally out of gas, there is one living on the inside of you who's way bigger than you, who knows way more than you. And the Bible says he's the spirit of truth. You know why you can trust praying in tongues? Because you can trust the Holy Spirit. Mm. Let me say that one more time. You want to know why you can trust praying in tongues? Because you can trust the Holy Spirit. Because it was his idea. It was his gift. It's his desire. And I, I hope so much that, that what I've said today, if, if you are like so many who have questioned or have wondered or just said, I just don't know how I feel about this. I hope that something I said today has grabbed a hold of your heart so that you'll be able to, to say, you know what? I'll step outside my comfort zone. I'll go beyond. And I'll let the Holy Spirit begin to lead me in a way that maybe I've never been led before. I'm here to tell you, he's willing. He's able He's powerful. He's awesome. And he's living on the inside of you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants you to partner with him so that when you pray, he can go to work fixing all the stuff in your life that's out of order. I don't know about you, man, but sometimes my life looks like a plate of spaghetti. It's just, just all there. And it doesn't seem to have a whole lot of order. But I know that the times when I've yielded to, to, to my Father and the times I've yielded to the Holy Spirit who lives in me and I've said, Lord, just lead me. He's shown up every single time. And he's been like my buddy James. Hand on my back, pushing me uphill, taking me with him. It adds so much confidence when you know that you can pray. And the God of heaven will respond and he will hear you. Can we stand up to our feet this morning? We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you. We love you and your life counts.